Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we continue with the Joseph saga with his brothers, with the parasha Vaigash, in which it comes to a culmination, in which the brothers come back down to the land of Canaan with their brother Benjamin, and uh, Yehuda promised Jacob that he would take care of him, that if anything happened to him, he would be responsible, that he would give his life for him. And when they come down, Joseph, the visceral of Egypt, who has been uh, saying that the brothers are spies, that they're stealing, that they've come to spy the land, welcomes them into his home. He makes a lavish lunch for them. And at the end, he fills their sacks with food. He puts their money back in each sack. And he asks his, um, his serviceman to please put his wine goblet in Benjamin's sack. And off the brothers go, and he sends his guards to look after them and to check them. And lo and behold, they find the wine goblet, the silver wine goblet, in Benjamin's backpack. At this moment, Joseph comes and he starts uh, making a big fuss about it, telling them that they're thieves, and now their little brother has to stay with him, now he's going to be a prisoner. And at that moment, Yehuda stands up and he goes up to him and he says, no, please, let my brother go, I'll, I'll stay instead of him, I'm willing to give my life for him, please let him go. And at that moment, Joseph can't take it anymore, and he reveals himself to the brothers, and he says, Ani Yosef. So from here, the, the, the whole saga takes a different twist, and uh, at that moment, the brothers go back to Canaan, to the land of Canaan, to inform the father that they have found Joseph, that he's alive, that he's well, that he's the viceroy of Egypt and that he's waiting for them in the land of Goshen that the Pharaoh has given to them so they can settle there and live there. So when the father and the son finally reunite, the Pasuk says, he, Joseph, fell on his Jacob's neck and he wept on his neck for a long time. Why did only Joseph fall on Jacob's neck? It doesn't say, the Pasuk doesn't say that Jacob fell on Joseph's neck and he wept. It doesn't say that he wept, it doesn't say that he was uh, like crying or anything. What was going on? So let's explain what was going on with Yaakov at that moment of that hug. And uh, what happened was that Yaakov took the opportunity of that incredible moment of inspiration to dedicate it to Hashem and he started saying the Shema Israel. So when a person says Shema Israel, he cannot cry, he cannot hug somebody, he has to be still. So he took that moment of inspiration that came from that moment of, re of re-encountering his son for the, not seeing him for 22 years and thinking that he was dead and finally he gets to see the son. Such an awesome moment, he decided to dedicate it to God, and at that moment, he decided to do the Shema Israel. So, ordinary people like you and me, we divide our lives into categories. Usually, we have family matters, we have business matters, we have personal matters, we have uh, our time, which is precious. But a person like Yaakov, he doesn't have this compartmentalization of his life. For him, his whole life is a dedication to God. He doesn't have a separation. It's not like this is my family, this is my business, this is, no. For a person like Yaakov, everything was for Hashem. Everything was for the service of God. So that's why Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov were known or are known 
in Kabbalah as the divine chariots because they had no will of their own. They were the chariot and Hashem was the rider. So wherever the rider took them, that's where they went. But we, on the other hand, normal, regular people, operate in all kinds of different ways. And usually our behavior is not a congruent behavior. It's not aligned. What we feel inside is not usually what we show outside. How we behave in our house is not usually how we behave in the street. We, we're not one face. We have many facets. And, uh, and this makes us uh, complicated people. So the Talmud has a fascinating passage uh, which encourages matching behavior to intent. And one should never be discouraged from doing something good, regardless of their intentions. Our sages did not say that the outer should be like the inner. They say that the inner should be like the outer. Make sure the behavior is good, and then work on getting the inside to cooperate. So, we're not Yaakov Avinu, we're not Abraham, we're not Isaac, we're regular people. And the Talmud and Hashem understands that we are not people that are wired in such a way. So the sages thought that even if we're going to do a mitzvah for the wrong reason, we should do it anyways, because at the end we will end up doing it for the right reason. Even if you don't feel it, fake it till you make it. This is the Torah approach. And there's a story of Rav Yehuda that said in the name of Rav that a person should always um, always engage in Torah study and performance of mitzvot, even if he does not do so for their own sake. For through the performance of mitzvot, not for their own sake, one comes to perform them for their own sake. So there's a story, a passage in the Talmud, that uh, talks about an episode in which Rabbi Gam, Rabbi Gamliel was temporarily deposed as head of the Torah Academy in Yavne. So Rabbi Gamliel was replaced with a much younger Rabbi Elazar ben Azaria. And Rabbi Gamliel thought his philosophy was that if the students were not the same in and out, he could not have them in the yeshiva. They had to be pure inside and outside. And if their thoughts were not the right thoughts, he didn't want them in the yeshiva. So the sages decided, you know what, this is not the right approach. He had very little amount of uh, students. And they decided to dismiss him and uh, appointed Rabbi Elazar ben Azaria, who he thought in a very different way. So his uh, philosophy, Rabbi ben, uh, Elazar ben Azaria, was that it doesn't matter if a person doesn't have the right intentions, if he does the right thing at the end, he's worthy. So when uh, he took over, it's funny, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Gamliel, he used to have a, a bouncer in the entrance of the yeshiva, which allowed the kids to come in or not come in, depending on how good they were. But Rabbi Elazar ben Azaria, he took away the, 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 the guard and he asked to be uh, uh, included or, or put more benches in the yeshiva because more students would come to learn. And 400 benches were added to the study hall and one said 700 benches were added to the study hall. So it was not even enough. Everybody wanted to come and learn. 
So here we learn that uh, for Rabbi Gamliel, he, he, he expected a very high quality person to come and sit and learn Torah. Uh, Rabbi Benazaria, his philosophy was a complete different philosophy. His philosophy was that uh, even if you don't feel it, do it. Just do it. Because at the end of the day, what matters is your actions. And that's going to form your insight. When a person gets used to doing certain things, he becomes that thing. That's a, there's a story of a man that was a very evil man. And he fell in love with a beautiful girl. She was a very special girl. And she didn't want to marry him because he was very evil. And uh, so he decided to make a mask that would show a, a, a kind face. And he put on this very special mask that you could not see it was him. And she fell in love with this kind face and she married him. And they were married for many years. She was very happy. He was a kind husband. One day, a person that knew him from before came up to her and says, you know what, you married a fake. You married a fake. He's not the person you think he is. He's a very evil man. He just put on a mask to show that he was kind so he could marry you. And he tried to take off the mask and the mask would not come out of the face because the, the mask had become the face. So when a person acts kindly, even if he doesn't feel kind, even if he's not kind, even if he's evil, but his action is a kind action, it overlaps what he's feeling inside. At the end, he's going to become that person. He's going to become kind. And this was the way of thought of the Rabbi Elazar Benazaria, and this is why the sages go with this concept. So on a basic level, the discrepancy between our inside and our outside refers to the difference between our actions and our intentions. And intention is something very important, like the kavana you put into something you do really makes the whole difference. If you're going to pray because you pray every day and you're used to it and this is how you do, eh, you know, it's a eh, prayer. But if you pray and your intention is to pour your heart to Hashem, to say thank you to God, to show Him that you love Him, to show Him that you care about Him, then it's a different prayer. But nevertheless, if you pray, it, the important thing is that you pray. So here it says that, um, that in psychology there's a term called cognitive dis dis dissonance. When we truly do have appropriate beliefs and intentions, but we're unable to fulfill them. So on the other hand, there's people that inside, they want to be good. They want to eat kosher. They want to keep Shabbat. They want to be better. They want to be better people. But when they go and do the action, they, it doesn't go. One thing is what they want. Another thing is what they end up doing. So it says here that that's basic, a basic factor of human condition and may wonder, who am I? Like, who am I at the end of the day? Am I the guy that wants to eat kosher? Or am I the guy that at the end goes and eats the hot dog in the non-kosher stand? Who am I? So I'm going to tell you, in 2006, I was in Israel. And my husband and I, we were growing in Torah and in mitzvot at that time. He looked very religious. I was already wearing skirts and covering, but I could not put on the wig. I, I said to him, you know what? I don't think it's going to happen in this lifetime. I'm sorry. I don't think so. It's too hard for me. I don't think so. But it always bothered me that I was with a, an uncovered hair. So when we went to Israel that summer, 
Every time we went to Israel, I would put on a scarf and I would walk around Israel with my head covered because you know you're in the Holy Land. I could not go around with not a covered head. So one day we are in Banyas, which is a beautiful natural uh, place near Lebanon. It's, uh, they have like these spring waters, they have these fountains. It's a beautiful place. And suddenly we start hearing boom, boom, boom. And my girls went crazy and we asked, what's going on, what's going on? And says, no, a war just started with Lebanon. And, um, and, but don't worry, this is us hitting them because if it would be them hitting us, it would be boom. So we went crazy. We were gonna go to, to ride the jeeps in the, in, the, in the border with Syria that day and we had to cancel. At the end, we ended up going back to uh, Tiberias where we were staying and the whole mountains were burning. It was crazy, it was really surreal and the whole war was going on. You could see the, 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 the soldiers going to Lebanon. It was uh, horrendous, horrendous. And Israel had passed already the Intifada time and the tourism had started to come back and the, all the Israelis looked very sad and they were beyond themselves. So we had to go back to Jerusalem because the, the whole area was a war, war zone. And we went back to Jerusalem and that Shabbat, it was surreal, it was horrendous. The moon was red, I remember, and I remember going to the Kotel and putting my hand on the stones and I could feel like even the stones were wet. They were like crying, it was horrendous. And uh, every time an Arab killed a Jew, they the Arabs would uh, throw uh, fireworks in the air. So you're in the Kotel praying and you know the, how many Jews have died in the war because of the fireworks. So everybody was crying, it was horrendous. And at that moment something came into me, came a moment of inspiration. And I cried to God and I said, you know what, I'm gonna put on my shaitel, I'm gonna put on the wig, I wanna do it for, for the people of Israel that they should be safe and this war should end soon. And we went back to Florida, and in those days we were going from Tehillim group to Tehillim group, praying here, praying there, and I hadn't put on a shaitel yet. I was going around with my, with my scarf, and I, every time we went into a house to do Tehillim, I would put on my scarf, and then I would take it off and put it on and off. And then one moment I said, who am I? Am I Margie with a scarf or am I Margie without a scarf? Who am I really? One part of me wants to cover my hair, and another part of me doesn't let me cover my hair. So I called the Rebetzin at that moment and she got me a, a, a week right away and that Rosh Chodesh Elul uh, of 2006 was when I started covering my hair. But why am I telling you this story? Because sometimes we have this cognitive diso dissonance, how the psychologists call them, where we have, we're torn between two worlds. One part of us wants to grow, wants to be connected to Hashem. And then we have another part of us that's pulling us away. What are your friends going to say? What is your mother-in-law going to say? What are your daughters going to think? What is the whole world going to say? And then this is what stops us from doing what we should be doing. So the cause of the dissonance, while we have certain ideas, values, beliefs, it's because we haven't internalized 
and we haven't put in the effort. That's really what it is. And the inspiration we get at the moment, it's wonderful. When Hashem gives us a, a glimpse of inspiration, like what happened to me, because really before going to Israel, I said, never in my life, I'm never going to put on a shaitel. But at that moment, I, I had that inspiration. I had that strength that came into me. You have to act right away. If you don't act right away, it's going to disappear. As, as fast as it came, it's as fast as it goes. It's short-lived and it doesn't last. So at a philosophical level, we can't experience inspiration all the time. We're not super inspired every day at every minute because he created us for a reason. He created us. We are meant to live down here in this world. We're meant to be part of the world and we're not meant to live in a nirvana state all our days. We're not meant to be in a high. Although I call my website live a little higher, what I really mean is you live high by your actions, by what you do. That's what puts you a step above. But we're not meant to live, uh, you know, in a high. That's not what Hashem wants from us. Hashem wants us to be to be active people, people of action, people that are doing things, people that are creating change. So in Hasidut, there's a concept that is called Ratzo Veshov, which means uh, it, 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 something runs to, to get inspired and then it comes back. And this is how Hashem created everything in the world. The heart has a heartbeat, it's heart Ratzo Veshov, it goes in, it goes out, it goes in, it goes out. The lungs, they, you breathe in, you breathe out. The ocean, the waves go up, come down. Everything in the world is created, Ratzo Veshov. Um, but it's a run that is followed by a return. You have to return. You cannot run and just keep on going. Like if the ocean would take the waves back, but it would never bring them back, then the ocean would dry up. There, there would be no ocean. Or if your heartbeat would go one way, but it would never go the other way, then you would die. So it's very important that you have the Ratzo, which is a very intense desire to connect to Hashem, which this is the inspiration Hashem gives us. But at that moment, we have to run to the Shof. We have to do, go out and do what it needs to be done and fulfill the mission in this world. So Hashem doesn't send a soul all the way down to earth to experience a spiritual high. That, that's, that's the other world. That's where we're going to be in a constant high, is in the world to come. But down in this world, we're here about, life is not about the experience, it's about the mission. It's the mission. That's what matters here. So we have a big problem because we do need inspiration. We need to be com constantly inspired. If we're not inspired, we're going to become like dry and the, and the inspiration really is like a fuel for the engine and, and, and the engine consumes it very fast so it needs to be recharged every once in a while. So what do we do? How do we come to, to, to fulfill this? So uh, the only way to internalize it is through the person himself through the effort. So every time you have an aha moment, you have one of those moments of inspiration, don't let it go. That arousal to connect to Hashem, do it. Do something that will keep you connected to God instantly and that you will continue to do um, constantly. It needs to be done with discipline because if you don't have discipline, then it's going to fade away. And as, as it came, it goes. So an arousal from within, which leads to an arousal from above, is 
everlasting. When we work, when we put our effort, when we do the job, it's gonna be lasting. But an arousal from above, it's not gonna be lasting. You can have the inspiration and, and, and if you don't do anything about it in the moment, it's gonna go away. So the Cephas MS explains in the name of his grandfather, the Hitushi Harim, that the long-awaited moment was for Yaakov a, a moment of tremendous inspiration, like imagine, he never imagined he was gonna see his son again. So you can imagine what he felt at that moment. So immediately, he said the Shema Israel, proclaiming from the deepest part of himself the oneness of Hashem. And the lesson is clear. Inspiration is a gift from heaven. It's a gift from above. Immediately get to work on creating real change from within. So the way in which we are constantly inspired and constantly connected is by taking action. And that's why Rabbi Eliasar Ben Asar, he believed that if the students wanted to learn Torah, even if inside they were not pure as Rabbi Gamliel wanted them to be, it doesn't matter because at the end, once they're in the yeshiva and they're learning Torah, the inside will, have, will be affected by it and they will become everlasting. So I wish you a beautiful week and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.